Trent Condon, LaShawn Daniels on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. A look at special teams. Charlie Jones speaks for the first time since his transfer to Purdue. And we give our thoughts on the rivals of Iowa football. All today on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. You are Locked On Hawkeyes. Your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked on Hawkeyes podcast, Trent Condon alongside LaShawn Daniels. Glad to have you aboard with us here as we talk Hawkeyes. Thanks for making Locked on Iowa your first stop each and every day as you listen to podcasts. And watch us also on YouTube. Go and subscribe right now and let the word know that LaShawn and myself are going to be talking a lot of football here as we lead up until kickoff. Weekend in the books and LaShawn be our fine day without a chance to back to college football because it's coming this week. We got Nebraska, Northwestern, Illinois got Wyoming, Big Ten football this week. That's great. Yeah, it's exciting. Exciting. Best time of the year. So I can't wait for the weekend. Going to be a lot of fuck about those games or two kickoff. But LaShawn, before that, a couple of different directions wanted to go. And I uh, wanted to start today. We've talked a ton about the offs, obviously. A ton about that. We talked about the defense. It has a chance to be again this, but a lot of returning stout. And oh, by the way, an All American coming cornerback, Riley Moss, the other guys. I mean, they look, we haven't talked a ton about special teams. And special teams is Kirk Ferris coaches this team and the way that they are built is you got to win in the margins, right? You got to win those close games. And a lot of times it is. A punter pinning a guy deep. It's a kicker coming up and hitting a clutch field goal or just making that tackle tackle in special teams. It, it's so important. As you guys, as you went through the program and you were not a huge part of special teams during your career as a running back, but how big of a conversation piece is it in the in the locker room? How big of a piece is it on the practice field? How important special teams are? Yeah, I think everyone around the building knows how important special teams are really is especially us on the offensive side considering right we haven't had the production um as some other schools have where special teams might not be such a big big deal for them as it is for the for the hawks right so we know it's a big deal right i mean it's one of the first meetings that we have every single day right we start off with special teams going over whatever we have planned for the day whether it's punt um you know kickoff unit field goal field goal block etc etc uh, so we understand that that is a very, very important piece of the game. And we know that those guys are vital, vital members of the team, right? We know that the punters are going to be great for, for us in general, right? Cause they can help flip the field and get us great field position. And we know that kickers come up big, um, whether it's, you know, early in the game or, you know, as the clock expires, right? Um, so special teams is a big, big piece of the culture at Iowa and, it's one thing that Coach Ferentz always harps on, like, hey, we're going to be excellent in our strength conditioning and we're going to be excellent um, on special teams because for the most part, those are things that you can control pretty well, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to be the most overly talented person um, on the football field to be good in special teams or to go hard in strength conditioning. So those are areas that Coach Ferentz always harps on and um, everyone knows that. Uh and that's a big part of the reason why, especially early in your career, a lot of people will try to get on special teams just so they can have another opportunity to play and show the coaches like, hey, like, yeah, I can show those Iowa values and those other things so I can get on the football field and play the position that I actually want to play. It makes a lot of sense. An opportunity to get out there, 
get your feet wet. And especially for, you know, a lot of those defensive guys, just ability to run down the field, make a tackle, those types of things. I did also want to ask you a little bit, you know, you guys had great kicking Marshall Kane, you know what he did that season though. The struggles in 2015 with the extra points is still one of the most baffling things out there, but you know, Marshall had such a strong leg. He was able to pound it out there and do a whole lot of things. What about kickers and putters, though? You're, you're a football guy, right? You grew up in a football family. Mm-hmm. Those kickers and putters, they're a different kind of breed over there. I mean, did you guys rib them a little bit? How was the dynamic with those specialists? No, the specialists are cool. Yeah. They're, they're definitely an interesting <laughs> group of characters. Yeah. Uh, but no, they're, they're, they're all, they're all a pretty cool group. Um, obviously they like during practices, I like, they basically do their own thing mm-hmm. on whatever field they're on. Right. They'll be in like total opposite field away from everyone else, whether they're, you know, practicing snaps or doing kicks or punts or whatever. Um, and then we'll join the group. But I mean, I mean, they're, they're a part of the team, right. They do all that jazz, even though like they don't necessarily need it. Right. They're, it's not like they're going to be. <laughs> flying down the field on, on, you know, on defense or on offense. Right. But, you know, they take part in all that stuff, but obviously, yeah, they're, they're definitely an interesting group of characters and it's hard for me to describe it unless <laughs> you're around them. Yeah. Um, but no, they're, they're, they're always a good group and, and fun to be around. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you know, a guy like Marshall Kane, I just remember back to, he was an athlete, right? I mean, he he was not just a a specialist. He's not some of the kickers that you think about that are frail, a little sickly looking out there. That dude is a little bit of a football player. He played pretty well back in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was really, really athletic. He was honestly, he was a pretty fast guy. I think he ran like a four six or something like that at the combine. Like, like this is like unheard of for a kicker. <laughs> so like, um, yeah, Marshall was a phenomenal athlete. Uh Definitely, whenever we would do like strength conditioning stuff, like he was always, um, you know, one of the fastest semi skill guys, right? So semi, so uh, specialists worked out with the with the semi skill. So that's like linebackers, uh, fullbacks, tight ends. So yeah, he was always one of the fastest in their in their group because yeah, he's just he's just an extremely athletic guy. All right, so that leads to a conversation about the here and now, right? About this kicking game and your era. You had good kickers. Your senior year. All right, you lose Marshall Kane, and what happens? You get this little skinny freshman that comes in from North Carolina, and all he does is beat Michigan, right? I mean, it, kicking has not been a problem. I go back to the beginning of the Ferentz era and seeing that the struggles early on in Nate Kading and what he turned into becoming an All-American and winning the Groza Award. And it's been something that has been such a strength of the 24 years of Kirk Ferentz. Now they come into this year, and it sounds like that the freshman Drew Stevens, another Carolina kid, has come in and has won this job from where we were in spring to how it finished up at kids day practice, 15 to 15 in the kicks, him and Blom both were perfect on the day. It was a little concerning coming into the year, but now after seeing those guys, the leg appears to be there. My question becomes the mental side of it, you know, for a freshman, you, you saw it with, with Keith when he came in there and, and hitting that kick and he was just ready to go from the get go. That mentality, how difficult is it for a freshman, not just to come in and, and play some football, but to be in that specialist role and know there's going to be games that very well could come down to his foot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in general, right. It's, it's tough for a freshman to, to play college football. Right. I mean, it, it is what it is um, coming, making that jump from high school to college, especially power five college football is, is definitely uh, not for the faint of heart. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of the reason why kickers are kickers. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. 
that's that's that type of environment is something that they live for right because you can't be you can't be a kicker and not have ice in your veins and kind of want the game to come down to that um point in time where it's like hey i gotta kick this i gotta make this kick to either tie us up or or win the football game like yeah it takes definitely a special type of character to to want to be a kicker and be in that position and you know for a freshman to to come in and obviously compete and um possibly win the, the kicking job right it's that's no easy feat so uh i'm sure i'm sure drew is going to be be ready and, and locked in and when he obviously has the opportunity because we know i will we never <laughs> win games and blowouts i mean we're gonna, it's going to be close at some point in time right so i'm sure sure he'll be ready and it's going to be a moment i'm sure he's been dreaming about for his entire life right it's, at least when he started playing being a kicker right so uh yeah i definitely think you can't be a kicker without having ice in your veins so i'm never really actually worried about those guys when that situation comes up. yeah it's been very good and there's something do you guys did you have like a on staff and i, I know things have certainly changed inside the program and, and we've talked a lot about that in the past about the program and some of the maybe evolution into the 21st century that we've seen out of the program as a whole did you guys have sports psychologists back when you were playing guys like that if if something was going wrong on the playing field that you could talk to uh, yeah, so we did have a person uh, that we would go to. I never went. Yeah. Um, may, I probably definitely sh- should have. <laughs> I mean, there's <laughs> definitely times where I should have. But yeah, there there is a person that the guys, they can go and, and talk to. And uh, it is confidential between, I see the player and the psychologist. Um, but yeah, they, the players do have a person that they can go to that's not... not going to just obviously relay their entire mm-hmm. conversations and all their struggles. was an absolute stud played two-way football the same high school that I played at LeVar was a little bit different but you know watching him play the the career that he had the NFL career he has been the guy that I have always wanted if it's going to be an in-house candidate I have been a longtime proponent that LeVar would be the guy internally to get the head coaching job and one of the reasons for it is because of obviously the job that he has done but secondly the way he knows the program and the third part is being a special teams coach. I think there's something very special about a special teams coach that has to have more of that almost head coach mentality. You know, that CEO where you're overlooking a bunch of different things. It's not just defense. It's not just offense. It, it's that big overall view that LeVar has. And I, that's a, a guy that I really like. So tell me a little bit about what you know about LeVar Woods. And certainly the job he's done with special teams has been great. Yeah. Um, I see for starters know that he's had a, Fantastic, had a fantastic football career, right? Um, obviously, he's done it all, right? For for guys that want to play football and want to do it at a high level, right? He, like, there's not too many people on the Iowa staff that you could go to and talk to about it, right? Because mm-hmm. he's he's done it all, right? So um, after you get that out the way, and then you just look at his his coaching history, and he's he's done it all as far as coaching goes. I mean, he's coached on defense, he's coached on offense. Now he's doing special teams and every position group that he's coached and now special teams group has been, has been phenomenal, right? When he was, when he was coaching there. So, uh, LeVar is obviously a, a great guy who loves and has a high, big passion for, for the game of football. And that's part of the reason why he's coached all these different positions and moved all around because first off, he loves the game and yet, and he loves Iowa. So he's doing whatever he can, uh, uh, be in a position to help help the team move forward and, and be better. So 
Um, I'm very excited for, for LeVar and his future career, whether he does um, become a head coach, whether it be at Iowa or, uh, you know, at another program, even though we would love it to be, mm-hmm. be at Iowa. Um, but he's just a guy who loves the game. He studies the game a bunch and has a wealth of knowledge that spreads um, down to, to the players that he's coaching. And you really see it on, on Saturdays, right? Every, every unit that he has coached has been an extremely well-coached unit um, where the mistakes are kept to a minimum. And it's, it's really been a thing that has helped Iowa win a bunch of football games over the past several years. Attention to detail. He has that certainly in spades. That's LaShawn Daniels. I'm Trent Cotton, and This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. When we come back, Charlie Jones, the former Hawkeye, he speaks. We'll get into that. His thoughts on why he left the University of Iowa in the football program as we continue on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Well, as you know, I've talked a lot about gambling. I am excited about college football. Illinois, a 10-point favorite against Wyoming. you got, of course, the Nebraska-Northwestern game where the Cornhuskers are more than a 10-point favorite there. Well, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, all your favorite sports. They have it all at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Bet Online continues to be the top online source for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting, Scores podcast, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, when we get into our, our Friday conversations, LaShawn, are, are you into picking some games? Are you all right? You know, throwing your opinion <laughs> out there a little bit and we can keep track to see who uh, maybe who picks the Big Ten games a little bit better this season. Yeah, I'm all for it. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, yeah. All right. Uh, and picking games. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll find something fun to wager on here. Maybe maybe a drink of our choice uh, for, for the season, something like that we can do. We'll, we'll put that up <laughs> at the end of the yeah. season. So, LaShawn, I mentioned football is here. I'm going, getting so excited about this weekend. You got high school football starting this week. I got my first play-by-play coming up on Friday night. Excited about that. But there is one more thing in the rearview mirror that I want to talk about, and that is Charlie Jones. So he departs to Purdue, and it came as a surprise. Tyrone Tracy, when he left the program, wasn't a shock. And an Indiana guy that goes to play at Purdue, one of the finalists that he had coming out of high school, those things made sense. It was a very frustrating year a season ago, certainly for Tyrone Tracy. Charlie Jones, on the other hand, was out there playing wide receiver. He was a huge part of those special teams that we talked about earlier and he went through spring practice. That, that was maybe aspect of it looking back is he went through practice and then said, you know what? I'm still out of here. A, a decision like that and this decision where it wasn't like he wasn't going to play this year, that he wasn't going to get a ch- chance. Just your takeaway and overview when you saw Charlie Jones decide to leave. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a little upsetting when you lose a skill guy. Any, when you lose any player, but especially on the skill positions, Right, because you know how important skill skill guys are, um, and helping put points on the board. Um, so it is a little it is a little upsetting, disappointing that he did decide to transfer. Because honestly, he's a, a good receiver and a fantastic uh, special teams return man. So to lose that type of weapon, definitely definitely you know not the easiest thing to stomach. But I mean, hey, that's why you build up a program. That's why you recruit. That's why you do all those. If you do lose a guy like that, right, it just opens up opportunity for for someone else to come in and, and step up and, and make those plays where where he's going to be absent. But to say that he won't be missed would definitely mm-hmm. definitely be a lie. 
uh, but um, I'm sure uh, there's going to be someone that's going to see jump at the opportunity and, and take it by the horns for sure. And, and you know, it's, it's so funny because, well, they got him as a transfer, right? He began his career at Buffalo. So you can't be upset about a kid that then leaves via transfer. And ultimately he wants a shot at the league. Now, I don't see any way that it's going to be as a wide receiver. It's going to be a returner. We talked about special teams and they're important and how good he was. I still think that Iowa would have been the best chance for him. But as it pertains to the offense, playing with Aiden McConnell, who is a great quarterback, you know, one thing I, I do wonder about and my buddy Jace, who also does the podcast here with me during the middle of the week, he mentioned this to me a couple of weeks ago. You know, after Charlie Jones goes through the whole process, goes through spring football, he sees there's no change of quarterback. It's going to be the same guys. It's going to be the guys that he played with. The new had some struggles and maybe there weren't the wrinkles that he was talked about. They anticipated something like that. Maybe it does make sense that he said, great, I'm going to come back to this crap again for another year and decided to part. It's hard to kill him after what we saw a season ago. It really is. Yeah. I mean, as a receiver, I can't, I, I, yeah. I mean, I can't blame him. I, I mean, I literally can't blame him. I mean, um, We've seen the Purdue offense over the past several years, right? They've been a team that passes the ball all over the place. I mean, we saw it at Kinnick last year, right? And they obviously have uh, a really, uh, I think, really an underrated quarterback um, over there in Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. Obviously, it helps when you're throwing to David Bell. But <laughs> um, in general, I think he's a really uh, see, fantastic football player and underrated quarterback. So when you see that, and obviously, like, you're watching tape, like, throughout the week, and you're probably – like whenever you're watching another Big Ten West team, you're seeing them going against Purdue, you're watching them, they're running these concepts and they're doing different things. You're like probably sitting there as a receiver, like, hmm, that that like I could be doing that, right? And I could do that better. I could do it better than that guy, right? And I and if I really want this opportunity to to show off my skills and you know, make it as a receiver in the NFL, right? Um I I I can understand the reasoning um for sure. But as you mentioned, yeah, I think it's obviously his future in the NFL, right? Uh, should it should it happen is definitely going to be on the return side of things. But um, putting out good, really good receivers tape is not going to be a bad thing either. So I can't I can't blame the kid for for wanting to go to a, another offense that's going to possibly distribute the football a little bit more and um, have more opportunities as a receiver. You know, he probably still was going to be behind certainly Keegan if he's healthy. He was going to be behind Arlen Bruce and maybe behind Nico Regani. I mean, he's still at best, he's still the fourth receiver where he goes to Purdue and he might be the number two. I'm sure that's also kind of a piece of it, but just an interesting one. And there's going to be a little bit of juice, I think, for that Iowa-Purdue game. Now, they were your guys' protected rival when the divisions first shifted over, and that was the protected rival for Iowa, even though it's not really a rivalry. It feels a little more like a rivalry. In fact, when we come back, LaShawn, we're going to talk about the rivalries. We're going to talk about the other six programs as it's currently constructed in the Big Ten West. Just some initial thoughts. We're going to talk about what we see when LaShawn first hears Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin. We're going to do that. I'll also give more of my fan perspective. We'll do that while we continue here. The Locked On Hawkeyes podcast continues here in a moment. And thank you again for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. The Ultimate College Football Preview is currently here. It's a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Inside all in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Trent Condon, LaShawn Daniels with you, wrapping things up, and let's fire through here. So, 
LaShawn, first in overview. Grew up in Iowa. A little bit different than you. Been a Hawkeye fan my whole life. It has all been about Iowa. But I grew up in north central Iowa. So I grew up kind of by Mason City area. Osage is a little town I grew up in. And uh, huge Hawkeye town. Huge Hawkeye contingency. This is also a time when that's all we had in the 80s. We had Hawkeye sports and that was it. There was nothing else. Didn't have ESPN. You weren't able to watch games all the time. It was that excitement about waiting for the Hawkeyes that weekend. So because of where I grew up, though, I had family in Minnesota. I also had family in Madison. But for me, the number one rivalry growing up, it was Minnesota. It was playing for a pig. You know, when you're a little kid and they play for a pig, how cool that was. So Minnesota, that's always the biggest rivalry for me. Wisconsin's another one. But we're going to kind of go through here. and We're going to get your initial thoughts. In fact, let's start with my biggest rival, the Gophers. When you, when you think of Minnesota, you think back of your playing days, what thoughts jump into your head? Um, for starters, like, I, I really was not a big fan of Minnesota at all. Right? <laughs> I just thought they were always a team who just thought their crap didn't stink, <laughs> uh-huh. right? No matter what type of year they were having, if they're having a bad year or a good year, right? That's just how they felt, right? And I feel like their fans kind of feel definitely feel feel the same way. So they're definitely a team that, you know, whenever we have the opportunity to beat them in practically anything, I'm just like, like yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. So uh, that's kind of how I feel about about them. Obviously, um, in football, right, they're, they're going to play tough. That's pretty much all, or, all of our rivals, yep. right? They're all, always going to play tough, but uh, they never they never really match that, that Iowa intensity, I feel, even though they try to hype it up, you know, every single year. But they, they never really could. And uh, the We Hate Iowa chant, I mean, did, did the, you guys crack up at that one time? I think it's a chant of endearment, right? They wish they could be I can't. Yeah, I mean, that essentially, right? I mean, especially so like, and then like, we used to just get, honestly, just get tired of it because mm-hmm. uh, during the, like, Minnesota week, like, they would play, like, they would be playing that chant, like, kind of <laughs> constantly, like, throughout the locker room or throughout the weight room. And then you kind of, like, you obviously, like, it gets to the point where, like, okay, like, this is enough, like. We just gotta we just gotta shut these guys up on yeah. Saturday. So um he's it is definitely a little a little corny for sure, but I get it, right? They yeah. they they want to emulate the one of the one of the better teams. So um I I understand it, but yeah, definitely not a not a fan. Well, uh what my tailgate group when we go up to Minnesota, we always have a good time up there. And one of my buddies, what he loves to do is start chanting back at him, who hates Iowa? You hate Iowa and point right in their face. And uh, it's led to a couple of disagreements a time or two uh, before or after some games. But yeah, Minnesota, I love the rivalry. I love the pig. In fact, at the State Fair, took the kids there yesterday and got to touch Floyd again, which is always good and got a picture right next to him. Didn't get to carry him off a field like you have, but it felt pretty good. Let's uh, let's go around here. We're going to go clockwise. Let's go over to Wisconsin. Another one, I have family in Madison, went to that game a lot growing up. Now, when I was growing up, this is another thing. In the 80s, Wisconsin was brutal. They were terrible at basketball. They were bad at football until Barry Alvarez got there. Obviously a different behemoth. When you went up against the Badgers, I'm sure you knew you're going to have to chin, uh, strap up that chin strap. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a program I've, I've got a ton of respect for. Um, they do a lot of things, right? Uh, right. They do a lot of stuff the right way, right? And then when they go out there, when you, when you know you're playing those guys, right, you're going to be in a – physical four quarter battle um the entire game so and they're their program who uh very similar to us in the sense where they're like we're gonna force you guys to play our brand of football right and 
we're not changing it for anyone, mm-hmm. uh, no matter no matter who we, we go against, right? And and they show that every single weekend, every single Saturday, and it definitely shows every single time that we play them. And when I was in school, we obviously didn't have as much success against yeah. them, and we still kind of haven't that much haven't had that much success against them. So every year, like I'm always just like, like this got to be the year. This got to <laughs> be the year, even though like right, we respect those guys a bunch. I hate losing to Wisconsin, right? Because a lot of times, like, losing to them, like, is what prevents us from winning the West, mm-hmm. right? And really taking that that next jump as a program and really getting to where we want to go. Well, let's uh, go to another one that's been a thorn in the side and a different feeling because Wisconsin, you know, they're, they're like Iowa. They're very similar. They're built the same way. Maybe just over the last you know, decade or so, they've done it a tick better. Northwestern, mm-hmm. oh, those guys. I, I be, I've been to that dump of a stadium I just shake my head. How do we lose to these guys? It just stinks. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's like, like, I obviously I know that their coach is not a fan of us at mm-hmm. all, and he always gets his his guys up ready to ready to play play us. And when I was in school, like, we had a bunch of success against them. I think we only lost one time. Yeah. Um, in my time there, but still, like. It, it's really frustrating whenever we do lose to them because you're like, you look at the programs and you're like, like we're, we're in another level. Right. And we shouldn't be like, this isn't a team like, like that we should be dropping games against. Um, but obviously they're a team um, with a great head coach who definitely gets the most out of his players for sure. And definitely does, does give us some fits a little bit. Cause I mean, every, every now and again, right. You're going to get a really, really good Northwestern team. Like they were, years ago three years ago um where they made the big 10 title game so yeah i mean that's that's another tough football team um but it is very frustrating whenever we do drop a game to them because you just look at it it's like like there's no way (laughs) like there's no way you just compare the programs (laughs) um like that shouldn't be a team that shouldn't be a team that beats us and yet they find a way let's go down state and go down to illinois now this was a big rivalry on the football field back in the day, LaShawn, before your memories. And I think it might be coming back. I believe in Bielema that he's going to get the program. But when you guys saw Illinois on the schedule, was it just kind of ho-hum? Uh, yeah. yeah. For the most part, yeah. I mean, like we saw Illinois on the schedule and we were like, okay, this is a game that we should win. I mean, especially the program that they had when I was in school. Right. Programs. Yeah. Nowhere near as uh, was where it was, even, you know, five years prior to when I was. So um, when we looked at them on schedule, we're like, okay, obviously it's another Big Ten West team. They're kind of a rivalry, but like right now at their program level, like this is a team that we should be, should be beating. Um, but with Bielema there, um, obviously we know his brand of football. We saw it when he was at Wisconsin. We saw it when he was at Arkansas. So bringing it back to Illinois. So we know what they're going to get. They're going to be a tough-nosed football team that's going to try to run the football practically every single play. Um, so that's definitely going to be another game. We're going to have to start buckling up our chin straps for sure. But, yeah. Um, but, but Illinois was definitely, at least when I was in school, was a team. that's was like, okay, like we should dominate this team. Purdue, you guys uh, beat them in the snow to cap off the undefeated regular season, the big time West championship before the finale at Nebraska that year. It was the last game of Kinnick in 2015. Purdue, they've had Iowa's number here recently. How about when you played was Illinois kind of in the same Illinois and Purdue kind of in the same realm? Yeah, yeah, they're they're really in the same realm. So that's why this this new era over the past few years is a little different. <laughs> um, so it's definitely a little frustrating, and it's like people will come to me whether it's like they know like I'm an Iowa guy, like 
probably like losing to Purdue and all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, when I was in school, that was a team that we never really worried about. Obviously, <laughs> uh, some things, things have changed. Um, see, they, they're, they're doing a great job over there. and They're building up that program for sure. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely in the same boat as Omaha. Final one, and we go to the other side, and that is over to the west side, and that is Nebraska. Nebraska, a brand for me growing up, was huge. So, LaShawn, you remember probably the... Of the 90s, do you even remember, I mean, them being a big-time powerhouse, a real national player? What would that have been, like 1990? So 96 96 would have been their last national championship, and then they played for a national championship in the 2000 season. I think the 2001 national championship and just got absolutely obliterated. And and for all intents and purposes, it was over at that point. Right, right. Yeah, it was mean that they had in the early 2000s, right? They Mm -hmm. had, like, NFL players. (laughs) <laughs> like on their four deep. So yeah. yeah. Um Nebraska, I mean obviously they they got a history and it's their very, very storied progress. They haven't been at that level. Um we've you know, I kind of get the same vibe from them from and as I get from with Minnesota, where they kind of think that their crap doesn't stink. Mm-hmm. Um because they're like, yeah, we're the storied program. You've had all these national titles, all et cetera, et cetera. But obviously they haven't been that way um as of late. So um Whenever we play those guys, it's always like, hey, if we play our game, we don't make any mistakes. We're going to win every single time because they're bound to make mistakes. It's things that they've shown um, every single year, honestly, since since I've been in school, right? Whenever the games get tight, right, they kind of just fall apart. So uh, obviously they're, they're, they're trying to build something and <laughs> it's really not getting built at all, uh, especially since they're, what was it, their athletic director, like disrespected. Iowa or whatever. Oh, yeah. Fire yeah. Pulini yeah. and whatnot. So, so yeah, ever since now, those guys, now, nah, whenever we get a chance to dominate them, and which we do, whenever we play it, it's, it's always a good feeling. So, listen, we're talking about these teams and the rivals and, and kind of different aspects. Also, Iowa State, you throw in the mix with the non conference rivalry game there. Penn State's a huge rivalry, we know, for Kirk. Michigan, when he played a, a team like that, how important a game like that certainly was him being more of an old school guy. I mean, could you feel, though, a little extra juice in a week? Yeah, you, you respect every opponent, but could you tell when Coach Ferentz, when he had a little something extra that week? And, you know, we kind of talk about Purdue, and maybe there's some bad blood boiling right now. I've heard recently, you know, there, there's been some things that have been said by that moron Phil Fleck up in Minnesota that maybe rubbed Kirk wrong a little bit a couple years back, and he used all the timeouts at the end of the game. Could you guys feel those weeks when he had a little extra pep in his step? Oh, yeah, you can definitely feel it. Like, you feel it that um, either Monday morning, like in the team meeting, or even you could even feel it Sunday, you know, after whatever game we have, getting ready for the upcoming week. Like, whenever it was a rivalry week, whenever we played like a Blue Bud team, like a Ohio State or Michigan, right? Like, or Penn State, right? Like, Coach Ferentz gets up for those games and he's like, like you can definitely feel that energy and it definitely radiates throughout the entire building. Um, whenever, whenever you have those, those games. So yeah. Yeah. You can definitely feel that energy and it's something that gets us players juiced up and gets us ready to rock and roll for, for Saturday. Uh, it's a lot of fun stuff. We go around the big 10 West and get some thoughts there. I, I left the Buckeyes out. I know that's a different kind of conversation, Michigan, Penn State, those uh, programs from the other side. But fun going through and and fun uh, have, reliving some memories with you also, LaShawn. Well, we're getting closer and closer to football. So you just think 12 days away now from kickoff. 
as we'll see Iowa, South Dakota State. We got plenty more. LaShawn, you going to be good again one more time later in the week? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. We'll be ready to go. We'll continue breaking things down here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Well, we talked about everything going on across the Big Ten West. You can know what is happening across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten every day. Host Nate Dickinson and local experts from Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen every single day. That'll do it for the show here today. He's LaShawn Daniels. I'm Trent Condon. We'll be back with you again tomorrow with a lot more Locked On Hawkeyes. Until then, go Hawks.